how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Here's a crew perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Nate Zimdars filling in for our farm director, Pam Yonke, while she is out west on her farm tours. We're hoping that Pam is having a great time out there with the group that she's with. State Fair just wrapped up yesterday. That was a 10-day highlight here in Wisconsin for all things Wisconsin agriculture. So now that that's wrapped up, folks are probably easing back into their normal routines again. And what a way to come back to reality with the weather that we have in store for us today. It hasn't quite started raining here in Madison yet, but it looks like the rest of the day it is going to be rain here in Madison. Right now the temperatures are going to be hovering around the low 60s with, again, rain all day long. And I believe that rain is going to be hitting everybody all across the state at some point in time. We're going to get an update on our weather in a short time here with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist. And please send us your updates on rain totals. I know there was a little bit of rain over the weekend for a lot of people. So if you want to send what those numbers are to us, please give us a shout out at 877-301-FARM. That is our Farm Talk text line. Again, that number is 877-301-FARM. We would love to hear what totals you saw over the weekend. And of course, with all the rain that we have expected today, Please shoot us a message at some point during the day so we can share those rain totals from today with everybody tomorrow morning. Please stay tuned. we got a great show ahead for you. CompU does things differently as a farm credit cooperative, like sharing $202 million back in patronage this year with its member owners. That's more than $1 billion in patronage paid back since 2017. Talk with your local CompU team to learn more or visit compure.com backslash patronage. CompU Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. Patronage allocations, redemptions, and payments remains at the discretion of the board of directors based on a combination of factors including the risk in portfolio, earnings, and current capital position. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Well, over the course of the next few weeks, you are going to hear plenty about the federal milk marketing orders. Why? Because the U.S. Department of Agriculture has decided it's going to hold a field hearing and listen to proposals for change. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. That field hearing with USDA is coming up on August 23rd in Indiana, where all of the dairy industry will try to find common ground. Now, Organic Valley Dairy, headquartered in Wisconsin, wants to let their voice be heard. Adam Worthison is their Senior Director of Government and Industry Affairs. They've got 174 dedicated organic dairy farmers from across 24 different states, including Wisconsin, that want to be essentially exempted from the federal milk marketing orders. I asked Worthison to explain their rationale. You know, organic sits in a kind of unique place within the orders. And, you know, the orders were created for kind of two reasons. One, to make sure fresh fluid milk was available. And two, that there wasn't disorderly marketing of milk amongst dairy producers. Um, that created the regulated minimum pricing that we are familiar with. But for organic farmers, you know, we already are paying farmers way above those regulated minimums. 
um, and oftentimes way above the class one premiums. So the um, requests that we have to pay into the obligation or the pool really seem out of whack to us. They really seem inappropriate in that if we're paying like $31 a hundredweight, why are we paying into a pool that our farmers never draw on? You know, the other kind of component to it is the grand bargain always said that if you were a fluid processor and you needed milk, you could ask for a call provision. But if you have organic milk and you're processing and bottling organic milk, it's really hard and actually impossible to call on the orders to service that need for organic fluid milk. So our perspective has been organic really doesn't fit um, and doesn't benefit. So um, we were looking for the secretary to acknowledge that and hear that subject in the upcoming hearing that's going to happen. Now, Organic Valley is not the only organic uh, dairy industry partner that should be engaged in this conversation. Are you finding this even from other competitors, uh, Adam? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer to that is yes. So we've been working with a, a coalition of groups. And in that uh, coalition, there's uh, organic, uh, they even would be our competitors. But in this place, we see like-minded that organic is treated unfairly. You know, what's unfortunate is this, when the announcement came out um, here most recently, uh, last Friday and, and was published on Monday, it didn't bring forward the organic subjects to be heard in the hearing. So uh, kind of the question that we have and that we're frustrated with that decision of what was the scope of the hearing is if organic isn't heard now, well, then when is it? It wasn't heard in 2015 when the Organic Trade Association petitioned um, for a hearing. It wasn't included in this hearing. So this question of, well, how and when does organic really, the, the challenges that we face in the orders get heard, I think is one that we really need the secretary to answer and the department to answer. Share with me, Adam, what you can about the financial ramifications of organics being forced to be a part of the conventional milk marketing system. Have you ever done the done the addition, done the math on what organic is contributing? And like you pointed out, not able to capitalize on getting any receipt of. Yeah, well, I can tell you we've done the math within our cooperative and it is variable. It ranges from maybe five million to 12 million a year. And that's resources I'd like to pile back to my 1,200 to 1,600 dairy farmer members. So that's real and that's painful and it's variable and it's hard to predict. And it's really hard to run a business that is under that sort of, I guess I'd call it akin to a tax um, with no really benefit on the back end. We've done the kind of review of the whole organic industry. You know, there's about 5.2 billion pounds of organic milk. And, you know, there's 260 plus billion pounds of uh, uh, non-organic milk. I think where our analysis is, this would have impact the entire pooling sort of um, front would buy about three cents nationally if organic was no longer required to um, pay those pool obligations. Now, some would say that those federal milk orders are also designed to be safety nets. I recognize what you're saying, Adam, about uh, organic is a very unique market, has very specific criteria. Uh, are there any proposals on a potential safety net that organic dairy would want in place of these federal milk orders? 
Well, the proposal we brought forward said that you would um, only be exempt from the pooling requirements in organic if you paid above the class one premiums. Um, so if you are not paying above those class one premiums, then you would be subject to all the existing pool um, pooling regulations and um, conditions. So that was sort of our backstop to that. Um, you know, regrettably, again, the department really didn't give it um, strong justification why they didn't want to hear the subject. And again, we're sort of uh, questioning that and we're going to bring it up in the hearing and say, you really do need to hear this question of why is organic forced to participate? It's a uniquely regulated milk under another federal law, you know, the national that is, you know, enabled by the National Organics Program and enforced in that way. Um, so we're not done here and, you know, we're continuing to look for answers. Adam, let's talk a little bit on the broader perspective of federal milk order reform. This has been a conversation ongoing in the dairy industry for years. For those that have never decided to investigate, federal milk marketing orders are incredibly complex. And as Adam pointed out, go back uh, literally decades ago when we were facing uh, an entirely different type of dairy industry. From your perspective, Adam, after having these conversations, exchanging these letters and dialogue, do you believe this time around we are going to be able to persevere with some federal mark or federal milk order reforms? Well, there hasn't been a national hearing for 17 years, so that is notable. Um, and I think we're going to see some changes that are going to come about within the orders. Um, I guess I would just say that for uh, organic co-op like ours um, that bottles a lot of fluid milk, we're just really struggling to see how we fit, you know, uh, uh, into the orders and that they that they're really not fairly positioning our producers in that scheme. Um, you know, I do know there are other fluid processors that also feel like they're mandatory prisoners within the orders in which there was more flexibility for them to to create innovation and investment in fluid milk consumption and fluid milk processing because we've seen a decline in that in our nation and in our consuming um, public. And part of that is because I think class one has been continually weighed down by, you know, the orders. Adam Worthison is joining us now. He is the Senior Director of Government and Industry Affairs for Organic Valley. They are petitioning the federal government to make special considerations for organic production in their federal milk marketing orders. Adam makes a very good point. They are a very unique product category that does not fall under the federal milk orders uh, definition. Uh, unfortunately, they're still paying in. So let's talk a little bit about uh, time frame here, Adam, and also what your consumers might want want to be knowing about this process might be a little over their heads as far as the technicalities are concerned but uh, your organic consumers are as big an advocate on these changes as your organic dairy producers I'm guessing well I mean we're really proud to be able to bring consumers healthy um, milk and dairy products that have an organic sort of um, seal and certification you know different Consumers have different purchasing preferences, and we want to satisfy those in, in our um, kind of our orbit or our universe. I guess the challenge that we see is, you know, when we see in it, the orders that are moving forward now and the reforms that are being suggested, it could increase our pooling costs anywhere from a dollar to two dollars a hundredweight. And that only results in two other things that can happen. We either lower the price that we pay our dairy farmers, which 
I sure don't want to do because they're the owners of our cooperative, or we have to increase prices to consumers. And I don't want to do that either because consumers are really in this time and, and um, you know, dealing with inflation, inflationary pressures that are, you know, making them more price sensitive than ever before. So, you know, additional regulations and costs just don't fit and don't make sense. Adam Worthison, he is the Senior Director of Government and Industry Affairs for Organic Valley, representing 174 organic dairy farms from across 24 different states that say they do not fit in the federal milk marketing order system. They are going to take that voice and uh, discuss it in Indiana coming up on August 23rd. More to come, I'm sure. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop, that's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Hello, Stand Nate. for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes I'm are all talking right. to How about you, you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. I can, I can. We want We're you good. to be able to trust your brakes. Off Highway 51 yeah, well, we in may Farland, do. a stone's throw from McDonald's. Yeah, they sure are pushing rain amounts. I'm not quite feeling so secure in that here, but yeah, we'll find out. Yep. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone. Let us leave a legacy on your home. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning, everyone. It is time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with Stu Muck. Stu, looking at the forecast from what I saw today, looks like we're in for quite the rainy day. I even saw an alert for a flash flood watch. You are correct, Nate. That flash flood watch in southeastern Wisconsin. Let's just draw a line from Fond du Lac County and down into Dodge County to Columbia County, Dane County as well, and then down into Rock, Walworth, Jefferson, and into the southeast part of the state. The flash flood watch, or the flood watch, excuse me, in effect from 7 a.m. this morning till 11 o'clock tonight. Well, where are we going to get all this rain from? So far, everything's pretty light. I see two hundredths at Fond du Lac last night, seven hundredths at La Crosse, two hundredths at Madison, 
but the rain is just moving in. The radar indicating quite a band of rain from Dubuque up into southwest Wisconsin, still west of Madison in Iowa County, just into western Sauk County. Rain that went through La Crosse and Mauston, pretty light yet this morning, kind of a broken area there, but heavier rain further north, up north of Eau Claire into far northwest Wisconsin. Now, my anticipation... Low pressure building in from the west is going to pull moisture up out of the south, of course, and it is all wraps around that low close to southern Minnesota. That low will cross right through southern Wisconsin. So although there hasn't been a great deal of rain yet for most of us, I think some heavier showers certainly become the possibility. Thunderstorms could provide more localized heavy rains, so we are talking rain amounts upwards of an inch, and even more than that with some of those thunderstorms around. So we are going to see more moisture. Not developing in the east yet, but give it a few hours. The west has started the rain now. will end a lot earlier in the nighttime. The one also thing, the other thing that holds on with this, it is going to be staying a little bit cooler because of clouds and rain, not warming up nearly as far today. In fact, maybe only in the 60s or close to 70 for a lot of us. Well, that warmth returns, and by midweek, getting back to around normal, there may, although, be a little rain chance yet later Wednesday or just toward Thursday. I'll have forecast details right after this. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All right, Stu, just taking a look at some of the numbers that we've had come in from folks on our talk text line. Nothing from today yet, but we did have some numbers from just over the weekend and late into last week. I'll share a couple of those right now. We have Linda from Reeseville. She had a quarter of an inch on Friday. We had Bob in Beaver Dam. He shares that he received a half inch Friday and a quarter of an inch on Wednesday. And then we had Tommy in Stockbridge. He got six-tenths of an inch on Friday, and he also mentioned that he had a tree come down in his Suburban, which that's not a good thing at all. So hopefully we're not in for that kind of weather today. No, we could do with all of that, but uh, I would expect today there could be some wind gusts and thunderstorms and the like. The Compure Financial Ag Weather Update, a mostly cloudy day. Showers in the west developing in the east later this morning, you know, a couple of hours from now. And then showers and possible storms around may redevelop later afternoon into the nighttime. Temps today in the mid-60s with those east winds about 5 to 15. Again, that flood watch in southeast Wisconsin. Fond du Lac, Beaver Dam, Madison, 7 this morning till 11 tonight. More clouds with a few showers or storms lingering and ending tonight, becoming partly cloudy otherwise. In the west, probably not much of a rain chance at all. In the mid-50s for lows, the north winds 5 to 15 and gusty. Sunny Tuesday, 75 with the north breeze. Sunny Wednesday, low 80s. Southwest winds 5 to 15. Some rain chance, Nate, could be back already by Wednesday night. Rain is never a bad thing, but not in the amounts that we're looking at today. And I just want to ask real quick, is the reason we're looking at these flood watches because it's just been so dry and the ground can't soak up all the rain that might be coming in? That's it. It's been so dry, it's not going to soak up. And if we get a thunderstorm where it's dropping an inch in an hour, it's going to run. That's right. So stay tuned, everybody. Let's see what those rainfall totals become today. And of course, 
text us and let us know what the rainfall totals are going to be for you. And that's 877-301-FARM. And that's your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update from Stu Muck. And remember, Compere Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level and policy could be developed on the issue that you have. WFBF.com. Let's solve your issue. A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Does your knee pain keep getting worse? How about that pain in your shoulder or hip or back? Don't let them tell you steroids and surgery are your only option. Take my advice now and call QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics can make that pain go away with all-natural advanced regenerative medicine. They're helping people here every day with these amazing natural treatments that restore and repair damaged joint tissue. It's like turning back the clock. Regenerative medicine uses concentrated healing agents from your own body to stimulate that damaged tissue in your joints so they can work like they're supposed to. And there's zero downtime. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in this exciting medical breakthrough. Patients here are getting real lasting relief and are saying no to surgery and no to drugs. If you have pain due to injury or arthritis, this is a remarkable option that you need to check out. And the consultation is free. Call QC Kinetics now. 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. Again, that's 608-319-1750. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before, join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. And although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. 
This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over one million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. I have not talked to one of our former employees, Ben Kenny, uh, God, since probably a week after he went back to Philadelphia. You've talked to him more recently than I have. Now, I did check in on his Twitter account two nights ago to see him really going through his feelings. If you know anything about Ben Kenny, and to an extent Grant Bills as well, they do not like it when men are men. They do not care for pitchers pitching no-hitters, complete games, a perfect game, you name it. They're not just they're just not a fan. How would you explain it, Rowdy, for those guys? They're soft. <laughs> I couldn't have said any better. I mean, that's the most radio censored thing I could say. So Michael uh, Lorenzen, or uh yeah, he threw the Phillies 14th ever no hitter. He did it with 124 pitches. And believe it or not, his Lorenzen's arm, it did not fall off. Now, Rowdy, someone was really going through it on Twitter. Did not want to see Lorenzo. Could you imagine being a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers and having someone like CeCe Sabathia or any other pitcher on, on a Milwaukee Brewers roster being that close to a no-hitter and being mad that your guy is throwing a no-hitter and that your team is winning? <laughs> Think about that. Did you hear anyone screaming for CeCe? to be pulled from the game because he's had too many pitches when a no-hitter was in reach? Do you remember anyone complaining that CeCe Sabathia was grabbing the ball every three days? No. I, in fact, it was electric. Yeah, we, it was we, awesome. We, we like, loved hey, it. Dude, CeCe's pitching again. Yeah. We were we were like, dude, let, do let him do it again. Let him do it again. In fact, CeCe came out not too long ago. He said, like, that was one of his favorite memories of his career, was it not? Of just putting the team on his back and willing the Brewers to the playoffs. So... Ben Kenny is upset that the Philadelphia Phillies allowed Michael Lorenzen to continue to pitch because he had hit, you know, this magical number of 100. Now, if you go back and you look at what Michael Lorenzen's career has been and, and is, he was a guy that started out with the Cincinnati Reds. You know where he actually popped? It wasn't in the starting rotation. It was the relief pitcher that would come in because he worked out quite a bit and he'd have the big biceps. Yeah. 
and he'd wear like his sleeves a little higher so you could see the biceps. Wait, girls and for he, the girls. You got to show them off. He would come out of the bullpen and he would throw it like 98 miles an hour and he was pretty decent. But the big reason on why Michael Lorenzen got like kind of, I guess, famous or a little more popular in Cincinnati was because he used to play, I believe it was shortstop at college. And I want to say off the top of my head, he played at Cal State Fullerton, which was like a, you know, baseball powerhouse. Yeah. He came in and he hit bombs. So they would pinch hit. Piping. He 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 would pinch hit as you know a relief pitcher and hit like a home run and everyone's like oh my god well this guy originally was thrown in the bullpen because he couldn't quite cut it as a starter yeah now fast forward he had been on a few teams here since Cincinnati but over the last we'll just say decade or so he's went from team to team basically has been maybe a fringe starter slash bullpen guy. He's had a career, but he, no one would ever really remember Michael Lorenzen as some great pitcher. Yeah, he's in. The, he's has an well, opportunity to throw a no hitter, the greatest moment of his life in professional sports, and you're telling me that you're upset that you don't want him to have the ability. This guy is a rental. This guy has never been considered great. This was his day. This yeah, was his moment. moment. And the you sun. wanted to take it away from him. Well, how about we call Ben Kenny and uh, hopefully have a chat with him. I don't believe he's going to pick up. Michael Lorenzen pitching 124 right. pitches and throwing a no-hitter will not be the difference between the Phillies winning the World Series and them not okay, well, I'm going to call Ben. World Series. I'm going to call on. Ben. I'm going to call Ben. And I don't think he's going to pick up, so we're going to leave a nice, loving voicemail, say that we miss him, and congratulate Lorenzen and the Phillies having their 14th no-hitter. So let's, uh, let's uh, <clears throat> excuse me one second here. Dude wasn't even going to be a, a full-time starter for them if they were all healthy anyways. <laughs> Come on. All right, one second. I'm so tired. I'm so sleepy. <clears throat> He's not going to pick up. That's fine. <clears throat> I'm sweeping. Your call has been forwarded to Classic. an automatic voice message ben, system. Ben. Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back to the show, everyone, and thank you for sticking with us on this dreary, rainy Monday. I know most of you, if you're anything like me, probably wish the weather was a little nicer so that you could be outside doing whatever it is that you need to get done, whether it's farm work or just being outside and enjoying the outdoors. Yet at the same time, we all know that this rain is so desperately needed, so let's hope that we get some good rainfall totals out of this. Before we dive into our next segment, I just want to share a note from Nate, and this is going to be about the rain since that's fitting for today. Always remember... Out of the storm always comes light. Sometimes you just need to be patient and ride out the storm. And my, how true is that? Whether it's a rainstorm, whether it's stormy markets, or a stormy life situation that you might be going through. Hang tight and keep your chin up knowing that at the end of the day, there will be light at the end of a tunnel. Now here's a conversation that I recently had with the International Crane Foundation about cranes and their impact on agriculture. Cranes are one of the largest species of birds in the world. In Wisconsin, it is hard to miss the unmistakable sounds of a sandhill or whooping crane call and their large shape gliding overhead when in flight. The International Crane Foundation was founded in Baraboo 50 years ago to conserve cranes 
and protect the habitats that they live in on the five continents they call home. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I spoke with Ann Lacey, the director of Eastern Flyway Programs in North America, about the impact cranes have on agriculture and how the foundation works with farmers to both protect cranes and crops. What does the International Crane Foundation do to work with farmers? That is that's a major program area for us. I would say sandhill cranes need an upland area. That's their preferred foraging area. So whether or not they have an impact on that land depends on the crop that is there. So they can forage without any impact on alfalfa, soy, harvested grains, wheat field, or waste corn, you know, things like that. But we, and our study area here in Wisconsin is in a little town called Briggsville. It's between Wisconsin Dells and Portage. And we were hearing from farmers in that area that the cranes were damaging their crops. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s. And so that's when the population was less than it is is now. It wasn't quite as dense, but we started to look into exactly what this issue was. And in this case, it was specifically cranes going into planted cornfields when the corn was just germinating, and they would pull out the germinating seed. They don't eat the green part. It was just that corn seed. And so we started a program there looking at how we might prevent this damage from happening with the cooperation of these growers. And they gave us information that when they used a specific insecticide, I believe it was the trade name was Isotoc, that the birds did not damage their cornfield. Unfortunately, that is one of the more toxic pesticides that is out there. And we knew that the EPA would eventually remove it from the market. So we wanted to find a solution that was a little bit more friendly but still was effective being a seed treatment. And so fast forward to the 2000s and we were testing a product that was basically a taste deterrent, but it was based on a chemical that plants produce naturally to keep birds from taking seed before it's ripe. And so the trade name Avapel now is available on the market and that is a liquid seed treatment that farmers can put on their corn to keep the cranes from eating that one thing in the field. And again, the the ecology of sandhills is interesting in that they are very, very territorial. So a crane pair will mark out their territory. They'll have a wetland area where they have their nests, and they'll have an upland area where they prefer to forage, and they will keep other cranes out of that. However, it is the non-breeding flocks, and they tend to be in groups of 5, 10, 25, or more, and they can move opportunistically around the landscape. So it might be that those birds can cause much, much more damage because they can freely move from field to field and find those vulnerable cornfields. And it is very imperative that farmers treat their cornfields with that taste deterrent because it's those opportunistic foraging flocks that really can do the most damage. And so we do a lot of work looking into the ecology of cranes to the movements of cranes, how to best maybe predict where this damage will happen to get information out to the farmers. We do a lot of extension and outreach and to inform people of how they can prevent this damage. Outside of cranes eating seed corn, is there any other impact that cranes might have on agriculture, or is it strictly limited to that? It is definitely not limited to that. On a scale-wise, it's definitely cornfields that percentage-wise are the most damaged. Cranes can go into potato fields after vine kill, and it's mostly because it's a novel habitat. The potatoes, when they're growing and big and bushy, that is enough structure that the cranes don't want to go into that type of habitat. But after vine kill, it has suddenly become flat, and it is 
intriguing to the cranes, like, oh, maybe I can find a new food source in here. So they will dig through the potato hills. They won't necessarily eat the tubers. They might if they're small enough, but they're looking for insects and, and other things. And the damage occurs when they peck into the potato tubers or expose them to sunlight and ruining them. So that can be very, very expensive just by virtue of that crop. Um, on a smaller scale, it can be as expensive for the grower. To a lesser extent, cranes can damage growing wheat or oats and things like that by trampling maybe or foraging when it's when it's still upright. It doesn't happen too much here, but in the Great Plains, sometimes swathed wheat or oats are left on the ground before they, they gather them up and they can go into to that area and forage at will, but that doesn't happen too much here. So those are some of the other type of damage that, that cranes could do in an agricultural setting. The International Crane Foundation is doing its part to help conserve cranes and their habitat while also working with farmers to ensure that crop damage stays at a minimum. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report. Now it's time for us to take a look at our Monday morning market numbers. And so far, those market numbers are looking pretty good, and let's hope it stays that way for the rest of the day. Right now, cash corn is trading at 476 and a quarter. That is up one and three quarter cents. December 2023 corn is trading at 488 and a quarter. That is up a cent. Cash soybeans are trading at 1351 and a quarter. That is up 14. November 2023 beans is trading at 13. 21 and three quarters up 14 and a quarter September 2023 wheat is trading at 628 and a half that is up one and three quarters September class three milk contract is trading at 1798 a hundred weight no change there and October milk is trading at 1822 a hundred weight that is up 36 cents now remember be sure to stay up to date with us on all things agriculture by listening to our podcast you can download it at thefarmwi.com from the Midwest Farm Report I'm Nate Zimdars this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What BioVet does and where the livestock producer gets their benefit is our technology helps them with the things that they sometimes don't even know they're missing out on. Not just worrying about animals when they're sick, but trying to keep them as healthy and happy as possible as well. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support. That's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Goodman's Jewelers has been providing sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. 
We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time, our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, GoodmansJewelers.com. The best is at Goodman's. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, they say one of the challenging combinations, kids and animals. Well, sometimes you get magic when you put the two together. Time to catch you up on what's happening with your dairy farmer checkoff dollars, courtesy of our friends from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Today we are going to show you a program that is helped along with your dairy checkoff dollars that literally partners kids with animals. It is Adopt-A-Cow program, and it involves some of our best Wisconsin dairies sharing not only the daily work they do with animals, but also uh, sharing that with community kids that are around their area. Joining us today, Pam seltz She is one of the partners that's been involved with Adopt-A-Cow's program right here in the state of Wisconsin. Pam, give me a little bit of a sense on how you got involved with Adopt-A-Cow. Dairy farmers generally are exceptionally busy. Why did you guys decide that you wanted to slow down and take this advantage? Actually, my girlfriend hosted the program, and uh, Heather Jokians had such a wonderful experience with all the connections. And uh, as dairy farmers, we are so good at using our hands, but we forget that uh, the consumer is a big part of our success. And so um, I've always believed in making connections with consumers and telling our story. And who better can you influence kids who don't have an opinions yet? And so working in this program, we can give them a bird's eye view of what we do every day. And they get a little ownership by adopting a calf and getting a birth certificate. So they can be a partner with me as we learn and grow with this baby calf. Now, this isn't the only responsibility you hold down at the farm. Tell them a little bit about your dairy operation. We milk just short of 500 cows in Clark County, Wisconsin. And it's my husband and I and our family. And we're pretty active in the dairy industry. I am primarily uh, do all the fun bookkeeping part. And, of course, I uh, supervise our calf program. And then my husband manages the dairy herd. Excellent. So, again, let's go through the step-by-step process of how you got involved with Adopt-A-Calf. Remember, folks, this is available to basically any teacher across the state of Wisconsin that's interested. It is free, and it provides you with some very unique connections. Tell me about how you began the process, Pam. Well, it's going to start soon because when the baby calves are born, um, we take pictures of them. I plan on taking video of the calf being born and um, sharing that with the kids who adopt the calves from our farm. So we weigh them, we go through the entire process, and we try to communicate with them in ways that they can understand because this is targeted probably to second through fifth graders. Um, we get some older kids, we get some kids who are homeschooled, um, but some of these things are interesting to all ages, but that's kind of the level we communicate at. And we talk about this is the same as when you were born, this baby, how we clean it off, how we take care of it, we weigh it, we measure it, we feed it. And then as the calf grows from September through May, they go through the changes where we change in our diet, um, how we care for them when it gets cold, just like they need mittens. We need to make sure our calves have jackets on. And we talk about the vaccinations and we give them a bird's eye view into what we do every day. Um, some dairy farmers, like myself, uh, we have a blog, 
and we showed them the cows, and I had videos of cows milking. I had videos of where they eat, sleep, and play. I had videos about the manure, and then I have answered their questions. I mean, all through the year, these kids in classrooms are connecting with the farmer through a portal. And I got questions like, are cows wild? Um, do they behave differently when they're taken away from their mother? Uh, what's their favorite color? Um, does it hurt when they get milked? Um, you know, what is their name? How did you pick their name? How much do they drink? What do they eat? <laughs> but the neat thing is, this is where you get to communicate with them and influence them um, by responding back. Or uh, I found I had a lot of people following my blogs and my um, Facebook page where I shared all the information on these calves. So it's not a fleeting experience. <laughs> It is time-consuming, though, if you want to be responsible and answer those questions. Again, Pam sells probably along with us, and she is one of the Wisconsin dairy operators that participates in the Adopt-A-Cow program. It's actually calves for the most part, but it is a partnership between Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and your Wisconsin Dairy Checkoff Dollars, Discovery Dairy, which is an educational incentive for the Center for Dairy Excellence, and Undeniably Dairy. And it is free to teachers and students. I want to tell you about the website. Go to discoverdairy.com backslash adopt-a-cow, and you can get started. They're accepting registrations until, really, school starts. Tell me a little bit more, Pam, about how much time it did take you to try to respond to those kids. I know you. You take it seriously, even though the questions might be lighthearted. Well, you know, farmers, it's, um, it's whatever you have time for. So, um, yeah, it, it, I probably put more time into it because I have a little bit more experience, but I think it's so important to make these connections. But in reality, uh, for farmers who want to sign up for it, you take pictures when they're born, and then they, they get a every two months they get an update in their calves. And that will include what they weigh, what they're eating, how tall they've grown. Um, and part of that is, is because it is tied. There is a curriculum for everybody who signs up for this program for their classrooms. And it is a common core standard curriculum. So they have math, reading, and science that meet the common core standards for classroom instruction. So it's not just more than uh, I love a calf or I have a new pet. They actually are doing a lot of uh, skill building along the way. Did you see that uh, aha moment? When the kids and Pam opened her farm to actually physically welcoming large groups of kids that would otherwise not have had up close and personal experiences with calves, did you see the aha moments in their eyes, Pam? You know, I host a lot of tours and classrooms every year, but the kids who were in this program had even more energy because they had a connection to that calf. So they got off that bus and and they wanted to meet their calf they adopted. So that's what I noticed between the, the typical groups. These kids were pretty directed and, and had an engagement that allowed us to make more connections. And, you know, we can teach them a lot of stuff, Pam. But at the end of the day, it's the impression and how they feel. And that is what gives them the impression. And if they meet Farmer Pam and find Farmer Pam's calf that they adopted, Gumdrop, um, They've developed a connection that's going to influence their buying decisions and their opinions of dairying in the future. 
Well, and I've got to believe that the teachers that were responsible for getting involved in the program leave with lasting impressions as well. Well, they send me actually a lot of uh, questions themselves. But you know what also they send me? Christmas time, the kids are making Christmas ornaments. They sent me letters wanting to know what the baby calves wanted for Christmas. They sent Valentines. They took pictures of their classroom um, because they had drawn something on the board or they had made a project um, in their classroom for the calves. Uh, the one classroom even kind of had a little pen with their imaginary calf and a picture of one of the calves <laughs> that they adopted. So, uh, yes, I get the phone calls, but I also get uh, items in the mail. And um, sometimes the kids tell their parents so much about it. I've had kids convince their parents to come to the farm. Wow. So that's one extra connection you get beyond the classroom. And the new portal that they have now is that parents now can log in to each farm's portal to see the pictures and get connected themselves as well. Wow. Magic. That's all you can imagine it as. Magic. Yes. You know, that's yeah. obviously it's why the passion continues for the program this year. Uh, any wild idea how many kids or how many calves will have involved in the project this year, Pam? Across the United States, they're going to have about 30 calves. In Wisconsin alone, last year they had 60,000 students participate in the program. Kids are kids and they all love calves, right. but uh, the Wisconsin impact, and then they, they count the, the downloadable lessons. Mm -hmm. So they had nearly 2,000 lessons that were downloaded. But um, there are three calves in Wisconsin that are three farms that are sponsoring calves to be adopted. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if you can't tell, it's a worthwhile program by Pam's enthusiasm for the program. Follow through and just take a look at some of the previous interaction. DiscoverDairy.com backslash adopt a cow. And as you've heard, it's kind of more adopt a calf, but you get the point. Pam sells Prolly along with us, one of the participating farmers in Clark County. She was involved last year, had such a good experience. She's going to do it again this year. Teachers, it is free. You are not limited at all. Get your kids involved by signing up at discoverdairy.com backslash adopticow. Registration deadline is really the beginning of the school year, so check it out today. This adopticow program 